CM Punk, still not back. Welcome to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined by, like always by Jason Brooks. Another week of wrestling in the books as far as the last time we joined you guys. And uh, as much as you would hope things have changed, they've kind of stayed the same. Uh, Brock Lesnar's facing Undertaker still. Uh, Cena appears to still be facing Bray Wyatt. And I guess we still have uh, Triple H saying no to Daniel Bryant. With that and a lot more, we'll be talking about all the things that matter, I guess, this week in professional wrestling. From the stuff that only me and Jason might want to talk about, the stuff that everyone will be talking about all week. So, Jason, what's going on this week with you? Not much. Kind of same old, same old. Raw was uh, uh, an interesting show, to say the least, in terms of everything that went on during that show, whether it was the crowd, the wrestling... The storylines, everything. It was a very interesting week in the WWE. Now, does interesting, though, mean good? Because everybody who uh, looked at the internet this past weekend, not including, of course, Eddie Z and and Jonathan Oliva, who uh, have been in our show more than once, who've decided not to look at rumors, but uh, if you were looking online for any sort of time this past weekend, Dave Meltzer was under the idea that uh, a source within the industry had told him that CM Punk was going to be, was a really good chance CM Punk would be there. And Monday night, we heard the music. We heard a great classic promo by Paul Heyman. We heard the fans go crazy every chance they got. But uh, no CM Punk. I mean, you know, I don't know if this was planted, you know, the guy said this to Meltzer, and he was given the idea by somebody else um, to rile people up, because uh, the rating for Raw was actually down like 100,000 people from last week, and we can go over that, you know, later on in the show. So the rating wasn't better than last week with Hogan on the show, and the fans were in a fevered pitch for much of the show, uh, but I think the WWE did a tremendous job of, of you know, making sure the fans kind of got it out of their system. Um, you know, when the WWE really wants to get behind something and do it, they do it well. And they really did not want people to chant CM Punk all night. And I think they did a good job of that. Very, very interesting way to put that. Um, I think that the WWE universe, the fans, whatever we want to call ourselves, which I don't consider myself a member of a universe. Yeah, I'm still going to say fans. The universe yeah. is uh, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Go ahead. <laughs> but... I really, at this point, I don't know if I really care if uh, if one CM Punk comes back. I think he's one of the top three or four guys in the industry overall, maybe the very top of the industry when it comes to talking, in-ring, riling up a crowd, you know, promoting a company. But at this point, if he's not there for WrestleMania... See you when I see you, I guess. And before I let you comment, something that you will not hear me say very many times, because you know how much I love being right and telling you when I'm right. But when we went on for the air for that special program in uh, January 29th, I went and said, Chicago, CM Punk will be there. And Jason, <coughs> um, I believe you might have been... Yeah, you were right. <laughs> well, you know what? It sounds like maybe what happened is that 
they went to Punk and asked him to be on the show, and they were under the impression he was going to be on the show, they changed his mind. I mean, I think it'll come out eventually exactly what happened. Um, but, you know, I, I thought when he left, he left. And I did not expect him to come back. Um, and so, yeah, the show, the WrestleMania card is shaping up to be what it's going to be. Whether it's Brian and Wyatt, or, or whether, it's, whether it's Cena and Wyatt, whether it's Daniel Bryan and Triple H. And we'll kind of see where it goes. But you know what? CM Punk isn't there. And I think now, after this show, we have to move on from the idea that he's going to be on the show. Um, I, I've kind of moved on from that, but obviously with Chicago, the fans are going crazy. You thought maybe they would, you know, they'd find a way to sneak him on to the show. But now he's not on the show. It is what it is. And, you know, it's time to move on. The one thing I find, the one thing that will be interesting is whether these crowds still are chanting for him. Because it's been like a month now, and these crowds are still chanting for him. So it'll be interesting to see if they still continue to do that, you know, over the next couple of weeks leading up to WrestleMania. Hey, man, I will be at uh, the Raw on the 24th, and I'll find it very interesting at at, uh, at the IZOD Center, not the IZOD Center, my God, uh, in Brooklyn for the Barclays Center. I'll be there for that show with a couple of members of the LWO, and we'll see how the crowd is. I mean, I fully expect the smart fans of New York will most likely I, I, I think they're going to still go crazy with Chance for Punk every three seconds but I'm not sure and I really think that these next couple of weeks are going to be very interesting I mean they're already you know trying to promote something else for next week with Hogan coming back with an announcement for for this year's Mania you know you had a little promo saying that Hogan will be back next week they went and told us the Undertaker was going to be there. He didn't. He wasn't there this week. So I mean, I really think that the company is still in a little bit of flux on what they want to do, what they have scheduled, what they don't have scheduled. And I think the CM Punk thing was a one-week distraction of getting back on course for the Mania build. Yeah, I think you know obviously CM Punk was kind of the theme of the night um, through the crowd, you know, the beginning of the show, but. They did a good job of, of making it not about him as much as they could, um, except for the very beginning. So I guess this is the question, right? So the pre-show, they mentioned him. During the show, they mentioned him. His music was the first music to come out. He's still technically employed by the company, but he quit. Do they mention it next week? Do they mention it again? When the crowd's chanting for him, do they mention Does Cole mention it? How do they address him not being there? Um, you know what? I think it's going to... Now that they've opened up Pandora's box and mentioned that CM Punk exists again, I think that now they have free range to start. If they want to bury him, they can. Because they went and tried to play nice for that, for that month. And then tonight they went and allowed the fans and acknowledged the fans were, you know, had a voice. And I think now... It's time for the WWE maybe to be a little nasty at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if you... I don't know if you'll see skits, you know, making fun of Punk, but I could see, you know, small jabs being taken. You know, we had a small jab, you know, with Batista this past week with uh, him wearing a Gracie's uh, Jiu-Jitsu hoodie on the air. So, I mean, I think that the longer... Now that they've actually recognized the fact he's not there, 
I think we could see some of the subtle jabs come in. I mean, I don't really know if we'll see, you know, something with, you know, McMahon, you know, making f- – and the idea is how McMahon made fun of JR. But, I mean, I could see that the gloves might be off a little bit now. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Um, I think guys may kind of take their own jabs. I think maybe the glo- – but, you know, this is the thing, though, Corey. What, what is that going to do to help the product? What would that do to – you know, I mean, yesterday, okay, it made sense to do that because it was in Chicago. Help Batista, put him over as a heel a little bit more. You know, certain things like that. But really, what's that going to do? You know, um, he's not there. We don't think he's coming back for a while. You know, there's really no reason to do that. Um, you know, in my opinion, anyway. Well, I think kind of leave it what it is. Well, I think you most likely now that you try to go and give the fans a chance to go and say their piece, let them get a little of their anxiety, their anger out, that WWE can now come off a little bit as the good guy where they gave the fans a chance to vent, they went and recognized the fact that he he's actually not there, and now if they start to kill him a little bit, you could at least have the WWF say that we tried, we tried to make, you know, we tried to do what we could, we didn't disrespect him in his home, at home, and uh, we go from here. Yeah, they, they left it in a way so that he could still come back and save face, and it would be like he didn't leave. Um, they didn't bury him, and, you know, they didn't trash his name, anything like that. They kept him as a person who's just not there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, because I, I believe he's going to come back eventually, but it, it's going to be a while. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see when he comes back, what they do, you know, and all that stuff. But um, I think they did a good job acknowledging him, but not going overboard and not trashing him. So let's start a little bit on what actually happened on Raw, which I think most people would say was maybe the best segment of Raw. And we're going to go right back to CM Punk, unfortunately. But Paul Heyman getting on that mic, controlling that crowd, and having the palm of hand like he always does, and being able to make swerve it into getting right back into story with Brock and Undertaker, was a stroke of genius. He was able to correct, He was able to make that crowd for a couple of seconds, for you know, go, wow, we're gonna, they're actually going to do something amazing here. And he was able to get right back into story, points as it had to be. And, you know, until Brock actually opened his mouth, it was terrific. Yeah, I, I thought he did a great job. Um, I, you know, man. It's a reason. There's a reason why he's one of the most valuable members of the roster, even though he's not a wrestler. Uh, he does a great job of furthering storylines. Um, he's the only person they could have put out there, other than maybe Vince McMahon, and the fans would have not totally crapped on it, which they didn't. They really sat there. They took it all in. They booed, obviously, which is what they were supposed to do. Um, but it was just a tremendous, tremendous um, uh, promo by by Heyman. And a great way to acknowledge Punk and to also further the Brock Undertaker storyline. The one thing that I noted is the one thing that was awesome about what Heyman did. It was, you know, this Brock Undertaker thing, what, is it, what sense does it make for them to fight each other? It doesn't make any sense, right? But what Heyman has actually done is he's made it personal. He's made it about him. He said, I need to, to, to be Undertaker. I need to end the streak. So he's actually making it about him, and because he's the mouthpiece for Brock, it really makes a lot of sense. So I really like if they continue that storyline, 
with really it being about Heyman and making it personal about him, I think they could make it a, a pretty interesting storyline. But if Brock's got to talk too much, that, 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 that's not going to go great. True that. Now, before we move on to some other really good things, I want to stick with the segment for a second. Brock went and said his little piece, which, you know, it's amazing, you know, a man that big and that dominating talks so horrifyingly bad. But we followed that up with him killing Mark Henry again. Now, the idea. By the way, poor Mark Henry. (laughs) He just gets destroyed. Whenever, Whenever Mark Henry. Looks at the card and sees that Brock's gonna be on it. He's got he's, he's gotta be like, no, I'm not showing up to work today because he doesn't get killed like oh you know he takes a little bump. He gets creamed. Now, oh, God, I agree. But let me ask you this though: we had the exact same thing basically happen a month and a half ago where he killed Mark Henry. Now, when you do the same thing basically twice in a, like two months or two and a half months, does it lose a little bit of its effect? Yeah, I mean, they haven't booked Henry Strong in a while. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely don't think he it, it makes as much of an impact as it did with his feud with the Big Show. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it makes nearly as much of an impact, especially because Henry now is... He's losing matches, and they're not, you know, they're not booking him strong. So, you know, Henry's out there to get his ass kicked again. You know, basically, he's he's Brock Lesnar's job. Now, let's be honest here. Uh, if you're sitting in the first couple of rows and you find out that Brock Lesnar is going to be on the card, I'm going to move up because I don't know if you saw it, but me and uh, me and John were talking about this last night. When he went and destroyed those cameras, throwing everything, it honestly looked like when he threw that third camera from the desk that he might have actually either hit a cameraman or hits or came very close to hitting someone in the crowd. Because that I, Brock showing intensity is amazing, but Brock looks like he could honestly just flip something and kill someone. You know, it is just it's crazy. I think this is what I think about. You know, we were with wrestling the way it's going now. You know, you're seeing smaller guys, you know, not as, I don't think you're nearly seeing as much steroids and those things as were in the past. So you're not seeing these big, huge guys anymore. They're more like, kind of like Ziggler, you know, Jericho, more the 6'1", 6'2", 230 type. Brock's a big dude, and he really stands out among these guys now because he looks so much bigger than everybody. And it is, it's amazing. So when he comes out and he says he's going to kick somebody's ass, you feel, as a fan, like he can actually do it. Like he's actually going to kick someone's ass. And I think that's why, no matter what happens with Brock, he's always going to have a spot. And there's always going to be a good crowd reaction for him because he seems like he can actually kick someone's ass. Oh, he, he, he can. did it in the UFC, obviously. But he really legitimately seems like he can now, uh, moving on to something that I truly enjoyed, and I don't know, you can say which one was better, but we had the rematch from Elimination Chamber, the Shield versus the Wyatts. I personally thought the the match at the pay-per-view was a better match, but Absolutely. I thought this one was very well-paced, and once again, you saw Seth Rollins was basically gave you hope that when this... Uh, 
when this breakup officially happens, which looks like it's coming closer and closer to happening, he's going to have a future. He's not going to be a Dolph Ziggler or a Marty Jannetty, one of these guys who was great, and then all of a sudden when they went on their own, they're going to get forgotten about. The stuff he did, and by him being the guy who decided that I've had enough for this particular match, let you guys figure it out on your own, he became somewhat of an individual for the first time in quite a while. I, I'm worried about Ambrose here. I feel like Ambrose... Do you see Ambrose as... And we can talk about Rollins in a minute. Okay. You know how I feel about Rollins anyway. I feel like he could be a huge baby face, good guy. I feel like he'll do a good job with the women. The women seem to love him, apparently. Um, he does the high-flying stuff, which will be good for the kids. Uh, the smart fans like us or whatever, we, we love him. Sounds he's a little not, bit like CM Punk. Yeah. I, the only thing is he's not great on the mic. True. Which, you know, so he's got to get better on the mic. But I, I see him as a huge star. I really do. Um, I worry about Ambrose. I really do. He's great on the mic. But I just, I don't know if I see it with him. I see him as a U.S. champion. I don't know if I see him as a world champion. Um, I, he looked weak yesterday. He really did. He looked like a, a he looked like a wuss. Rounds is flying through the ring. Reigns is super man punching everyone, and Ambrose is just getting his ass kicked during the whole match. Um, I don't know. I think I, I think they're making him look weak. I don't know if you know. I just I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I I see it with Ambrose in general. Um, but I did like how they did the breakup. I do like that they had Rollins be the guy to actually say, okay, I've had enough after him being, you know, the peacemaker. Uh, I think they did a really good job with it. And the match itself I thought was very good. Now, before we get to where I see this going, a.k.a. a three-way for the the title at Mania between the Shield, but I'm going to disagree with you. I think that it was a little weird seeing Dean Ambrose the way he did last night because for the first time in a long time, he was portraying a face in, in a match style where, you know, he was the guy getting beaten up. The, he was trying to get the babyface tags. He wasn't the usual Rowdy Rowdy Piper-esque character, which we've seen over the, the past year. And I think that I, I really think, you know, and this is twofold. One, I don't think everyone has to be, you know, world champion. One of the greatest guys in the history of the company, Rick Rude, was never world champion. No, I mean, Ted DiBiase was never world champion. champion. Right, exactly. There's a lot of guys who had great careers. Jake the Snake Roberts, who's going into the Hall of Fame, was never a world champion. So I don't think... I understand it's a different time where the U.S. and the IC champion are sometimes used as stepping stones, especially when you get the title. Corey, when you mentioned that, when you mentioned that the Shield would wrestle for the title, I thought in my head, what title? <laughs> I forgot Ambrose was the U.S. champion. So that, that's how they look at those belts. Anyway, continue. I, I, I don't disagree with you, which also makes you wonder, you know, if they're going to put the rocket on Reigns, do you have, how do you have Reigns win that win unless you're actually going to make that title mean something? But I really, I don't see Ambrose as the weak link by any stretch future-wise. I think he's going to be a great, I don't know if he'll be a world champion heel, but I think he'll be that heel that... Does everything right. I think he wrestles a good style, a very safe style, a style of guy who will be there for the next 15 years unless he does something 
ridiculous. And I think he's got a very good character. And I think it's a little hard for a guy when you're playing heel for a year, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, because the Wyatts are thought of as more dastardly of a team right now, that you got to play a totally separate character. You know, so, I mean, I can see how after last night it looked like he wasn't a guy who you thought long-term good things. But I honestly think that Ambrose has the has the, the ability on the mic. I think he wrestles a WWE style, which they like, especially for a main event heel style. And, you know, just because he's not jumping around like Ziggler, Rollins... Ambrose, I mean Ambrose. Talking about Ambrose, Reigns. You know, you have some of these, some of these guys. Doesn't mean he can't be the heel. You know, Piper type that you know was a huge factor in the history of the business. Yeah, we'll see if they give him that chance. You know what I mean? With the way it's PG and and the things that they do, you know, we'll see if he can get over. You know, in this era. But one one thing I have to wanted to ask you about. I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, we saw Wyatt against uh, Bray Wyatt against Reigns last week, and the match was slow. It wasn't a very well-paced match. The crowd was not into it at all, and it wasn't a great match anyway. This week, Reigns looked awesome. Superman punching people, doing his high spots. Do we think, and I know Reigns needs to get better, and, and maybe we're being too hard on him, or maybe I'm being too hard on him, but he looks great when he's set up. And when he's not set up, he doesn't look so great. Is that something that, moving forward, the WWE needs to be a little bit concerned about? I think uh, they push this guy a little bit too fast. And I think this guy should be in a tag team for, for a little bit longer. And this is something... I know that we both like Wyatt. But this is something that you see when a guy who's a little bit green or who is a specialist when it comes to, you know, big moves. When you're in with guys who are ring technicians, a.k.a. Daniel Bryant, Punk, Cena to a certain extent because he knows how to wrestle that main event style, the Zigglers, you know, guys who aren't even the company, like you know, Shelton Benjamin, these workhorses, they could make, you know, Ric Flair. The idea was, you know, they could, they, they could have a good match with the brew, you know? So, I mean... I think it's I think it's also your dance partner in these matches. And when he's he's gotta learn how to have solid, well done stories with guys who aren't gonna carry him in the match. At some point you gotta be able to carry other people and I don't think he's ready to carry other people, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I just don't think if you're gonna have him in main event angles and storylines, the guy he's going up against has to be able to lead him into the story. Yeah, he's going to have to go against really good guys. And I think I could see easily Rollins winning the title at Mania and, you know, going on to defend it against whoever, mid-card guys, and Reigns and Ambrose having a feud. And I think that feud would actually help Reigns, too, because as much as Ambrose, I don't love him, I do think he would help Reigns develop. I think he does wrestle a good style. He would make him look really good and put him over well. And, you know, so I think they could they could go that way. Uh, or they could just make Reigns win the U.S. title. Um, but I, I think the smarter idea would be to have Rollins win the title 
and really break away from the group. Whereas Reigns already looks like he's breaking away, and Ambrose already kind of has his own thing, too. Now, let me ask you this. Before we go to our break, and we'll come back with some more stuff about Raw and talk maybe a little bit about the network and a couple other items, is where... Now, because the U.S. and the IC title have been devalued so much, would you go and either keep the title on Ambrose or put it on Rollins because you don't want Reigns to be dragged down into what they usually do with the secondary titles? Or you just don't think that Reigns is ready to have those type of feuds yet? I think, well, I think Reigns is not ready to have, to be going against John Cena, no. Um, but I think that... Even though, didn't they, have they faced each other? Didn't they have, like, a pretty, didn't they have a good match? Cena and Reigns, didn't they face each other a couple of months ago? I thought CM Punk went against Reigns. CM Punk did go against Reigns. Right. I didn't know he went against... Rollins has had good matches with... Everyone. Everybody. <laughs> Every match he's wrestled has been good. He, he, he wrestled Brian. It was a great match. The Cena match, he wrestled Cena. It was a great match. Um, well, you know what I mean. I, Reigns isn't ready for a program with Cena. In my, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. and maybe he'll take the ball and run with it. I think he's a guy who's gotten a lot better, and he's even gotten better on the mic. I, I, so I think he'll be fine. I just think it might be a little bit too... Maybe a little bit too early. I think... Ambrose is a good starting point for him, you know, as a singles competitor. Well, uh, like I said, we're going to take our first break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the Usos becoming the tag team champions, uh, a little bit about Daniel Bryant yes. and uh, Triple yes. H and Batista. Yes. yes. Uh, but we will be right back in a few moments. Uh, I think the Yes movement is possibly the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I think it's amazing who's passing for a WWE superstar these days. You got all these fans are reading too many comics, watching too many movies, and they think just your average guy like Daniel Bryan could just miraculously turn into a superhero. It's fantasy. It's not real. Guys like Daniel Bryan will never be guys like me. So you may not like it. The WWE universe may not like it. But it's a fact. And you and them are going to have to deal with it. Welcome back to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined as always by Jason Brooks. And uh, as you heard, Batista was on Raw again this week. And once again, not making much sense because last time I checked, he's going to be in a superhero movie in a couple of months. Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, maybe you don't want to insult the people who are going to go and actually see your movie. I know you're trying to be a heel, but maybe you don't use the word comic books and superheroes and those type of terminology when you're going to be in a movie that stars superheroes based on a comic book. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not. But uh, besides... I mentioned that on Twitter, too, but you know how many, um, you know, how much money they're going to lose from that comment? Zero. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, But speaking of, you know, our Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess uh, the Authority uh, once again was a major part of Raw. Uh, We had Triple H and Stephanie with another confrontation with, uh, I guess, the people's champion of this generation right now, Daniel Bryant, uh, with his mighty yes chant, the yes movement, as we're calling it, I guess. 
I guess it's better than being a bowel movement. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I thought that segment was good, even though I at times I couldn't figure out what the heck uh, Stephanie McMahon was saying due to the fact that the crowd was so loud every time she opened up her beautiful mouth. Oh, God, they hated her. She looked so high last night, too. But they hated her. Oh, she's turned into such a tremendous deal. I love her. I mean, let's... I love her. I, I actually like the authority. I actually like the authority because of her. I think she's done such a great job. And she's turned into such a tremendous deal. But, you know, it is funny, though. I understand that this is all a story. And when these guys and, and gals aren't in the WWE ring, they're not the real characters... But when you see Triple H at, you know, NXT Arrival where he's Mr. Good Guy talking about the future and then like 15 minutes earlier you see a commercial for the WWE Network where Stephanie is basically telling you that, you know, I want everyone to be able to have the joy that I have that I can see my, you know, my dad, our children seeing their grandfather as an announcer and seeing their father in all his great matches, you know, putting on the good guy, you know, spin, that, you know, a couple of minutes later, she's basically, you know, the worst person in the history of humanity, you know, for the fans. It's just funny the way that WWE sometimes structures these things where you're sitting there going, okay, I'm supposed to boo this person, but... but there's she wants me to give her money. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't want to call, you know anyone in WWE, you know, prostitutes, but, you know, they're prostituting themselves for whatever second they can figure out a way to take our money. So this is one of the many reasons why we miss Jim Ross, but that's another subject totally, is it? But uh, I really thought that people are playing their roles quite well right now. I think Triple H is playing his role quite well. Stephanie's playing it well. Daniel Bryan, even though I think it's a little ridiculous, just like Brock is... You know, wants the title, but then all of a sudden the title's no longer the key issue anymore, you know, for their character. But I really think that they found some gold here. And I think even though you don't have CM Punk in this role, Daniel Bryant is the perfect babyface to face Triple H. I think it makes more sense for him to be fighting Triple H. I mean, Punk was a champion for 400 dates or whatever. Sure. Brian has been a champion for five hours or 24 hours, I think, once. He makes the per perfect baby face good guy to go against Triple H. And, yeah, I, I think they're force-feeding it a little bit. Um, and I felt that way very much last week. But I think this week they did a really, really good job of, of showing exactly why Brian wants to go against him. I think they did a good job this week of making me believe that Brian actually wants to fight him and why Brian wants to fight him and why it's important for Brian to beat Triple H to prove to him that he is this, you know, tremendous superstar, this prime, this A-plus player or what have you. Uh, and I think they did a great job of illustrating that last night. Are you, though, or do you think the average fan is kind of insulted that you want someone to headline, be one of the headliners, and you're calling them a B-plus type of performer? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't love it. I, I, don't, I agree. I don't love it. The fact that you're continually downing a guy and calling him the underdog and, you know, saying he's not good enough. I think at some point, and I hope WrestleMania is that time, they stop saying that. But this is the other question, though. 
how much is the underdog persona play into how popular he is? If he was just a guy who was good, would he be as popular as he is now? Or do the fans identify with him because he's the underdog? You know, I mean, that's also could be a part of why he is as popular as he is. I also think it's got something, Daniel Bryant and the CM Punks and, you know, the Cesaros, all these people are so loved is because of their story also. I think the fact that they, they're not one of these guys who was brought through developmental. They actually were, you know, the quote-unquote term, the indie darlings who've made good. Yeah, but as McCoy, is, how many people know that Daniel, uh, you know, the five, you know, I always say about the five million that watch Raw every week. Out of the five million people that watch Raw every week, how many people know that Daniel Bryan and Cesaro were worked in Ring of Honor? How many people really know their story? All, all they know, most of those five million people think that Daniel Bryan came through NXT. Punk's story is a little bit different. I think people kind of know his story a little bit more now, especially after the storyline last year with Brock and, you know, the whole, um, you know, the Vegas promo, the pipe bomb. But how many people really know Brian's story other than us who are really following him like that? I think people look at him as the underdog who's great in the ring, who has a great chant, who's made people like him. But you know what? I, I, Cesaro, true. I could, I'll take Cesaro out of it. But the way that they've went and also booked Punk and Bryant, part of their story is the fact that they started off in bingo halls where there was 20 people. That's fair. And a lot of their promos are that fact that, you know, Bryant is, if I didn't work for the WWE tomorrow, I would be okay with going back because I love wrestling so much to wrestling, you know, in front of 16 people in a barn. So, I mean, I think that's part of their story of the idea that these are the anti-establishment-esque guys who went, and even though they should have not made it because of where they started, they're there, and they've bucked the system. No, I, I think that's a big part. I think that's a part of it, too. And I think a lot of guys... I they, but I think they've glossed on that. I think they've touched on that a little bit. But I don't think that's been the overwhelming sto- part of the storyline. I think that's been kind of... You know, they've mentioned it a couple of times in promos here and there. But I don't think that's been the overwhelming part of, of Daniel Bryan's story or the way they've portrayed it you know, on Raw. Okay, I could I could respect that. I can see what you're saying there, but I think there is something about the fact that these guys are smaller than the huge guys that you know the big muscle heads that they were promoting years ago. I think there's something to do with the idea that these guys are average-looking people. They're not, like I said, not the muscled-up guys that really relates to fans, and I think it builds into these storylines when you face the when you face the Triple H's of the world where Triple H's are still from that generation of the huge, bigger-than-life, size-wise guys. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, and to illustrate your point, how um, Triple H pointed at Brian, looked down, looked back up at him during that promo last night and said, you just don't measure up. Right. You know, we've seen, we've seen that story. Like, now, this is the other part of that, right? So... Benoit won. Yes, Benoit. We know what happened with him. But Who's he won that? As, as, the, as the underdog. Guerrero won as the underdog. Mysterio won as the underdog. Guerrero, 
probably had the most successful run as the underdog. I think he was the best one out of those three in terms of Mike's skills and whatever, and I think that's why he kept um, the, a run, you know, uh, as long as he did and would have kept the run if he didn't pass away. Um, but sometimes with this underdog stuff, the fans really get sick of it, and the guy's push kind of evaporates. So I hope Brian wins that mania, and I hope that they kind of keep pushing him. Um, Let's be honest. If, if, uh, if Triple H walks out of mania with the win, I think that the WWE has to refigure out their whole tight game plan because that would make no sense at all. I agree. I agree. You could have him get, you know, demolished after the match. But if he loses, then basically everything that's happened has been for naught. For a whole year worth of storylines has basically, you know, it's been, it's in the toilet. I mean, this is really, a, this is really a two-year, if you want to say a two- or three-year storyline. Actually, it's, you know, this is a two-and-a-half-year, two-year storyline. Basically, from the moment he lost in 18 seconds to Sheamus and the following night on Raw when Brock Lesnar came back and John Cena's doing his promo, you know, saying, you know, how I lost to the, I lost to the Rock, I got to refigure out things. Yeah. And during that promo, the fans were cheer- chanting yes so much that, you know, John Cena acknowledged, and that was the beginning of this whole quote-unquote yes movement, even though they didn't announce, you know, actually say something about it until, you know, a year and a half later. But this whole entire story of the underdog, the guy who lost in 18 seconds as the cocky heel, for two years they've been building, maybe not, to, maybe they didn't initially want to do this, but they were building this story of his moment of redemption at Mania, and that's what this is supposed to be. This yeah. is his moment of redemption at Mania. I agree. I agree. I think for most, you know, the way they've been building it so far, they've been mentioning SummerSlam more. Um, they haven't been mentioning in the past as much. But I will be curious over the next few weeks to see if they do mention stuff that happened, you know, a long time ago. Um, to see if they mention stuff that happened when he was released, even with the Nexus. If they mention all these things and kind of how that plays into the storyline. And let's be honest, if you know, if you read or if you've listened to different outlets that before the whole CM Punk thing happened with him, you know, leaving, the initial idea on paper was for Sheamus versus uh, Daniel Bryan at Mania two years later. So, I mean, it is an interesting idea of where this could have gone if, uh, if Punk hadn't left. But we got a couple more uh, things to discuss before we uh, move to our next break. Now, we've both discussed the fact that we love the Usos in the ring. They don't really have really character-wise stories. But uh, it took four years. But we have new tag team champions. The Usos, they wrestled a pretty, I thought, actually a solid match. Better than I would have ever expected. Out of the New Age Outlaws. And, you know, congratulations to the Usos winning the title. And, you know, congratulations. It only took, you know, two and a half months. But... On the last day as them possibly champion for their first run as back, we realized that, you know, the New Age Outlaws were heels. <laughs> it took a few months. Uh, I just like the promo that Road Dog uh, said. Um, I thought he did a good job of getting the crowd, you know, going for the Usos. But I think if we would have done this regular, you know, Road Dog promo, you know, the crowd might have been confused. Because a lot of that crowd... It's kind of the old wrestling guard, kind of the old school fans, you know, mine and Corey's age. 
who still have that nostalgia factor with the New Age Outlaws. Who you talking about? 18? What'd you say? What? 18 years old? Um, I don't know how old you are, but... <laughs> but um, the Usos looked great. It was a pretty good match. And you know, I'm glad they won. They definitely deserved a win. And the fans did a really, really good job of not crapping on them with CM Punk chants when they won the tag titles. And the fans seemed like they really wanted to see them win and were excited that they won. So but there was a great moment for the Usos. It may be the best moment in their career, to be honest with you. But it was a great moment for them, and uh, you know I'm happy for those guys. Now, this leads into something that the WWE Network will be doing actually in about a half hour. So the way we're going, we'll most likely still be on the air when this happens. But due to the fact that maybe a couple of fold, one that main event, which airs Wednesdays, I guess, at 8 o'clock on Ion Television, uh, their contract is coming up in a couple of months, and it appears the ratings haven't been spectacular. But for the next, it looks like till WrestleMania, the WWE Network will be having on Tuesdays the live version of WWE Main Event. And to start that off, you're going to have two matches they've announced. You're going to have Kane versus Daniel Bryant and a rematch for the tag team titles, the Usos versus the New Age Outlaws. So this is a twofold thing. One, do you think this is a good strategy by the WWE to, one, I guess, test out the network before Mania? especially the fact they had a couple of problems with NXT, a rival. But also, do you think this is a quick title change again and the New Age Outlaws will have the titles again, which you know might lead to the Usos actually winning the titles on a huge stage, not a Monday Night Raw, a.k.a. WrestleMania? Uh, I hope they don't do that. That was their moment. That was their big moment. Let them have it. Um. I don't think they would do a title change on the live streaming. Maybe they would to like show people that, hey, anything can happen, but I doubt it. Uh, I think the live streaming is a, a really good idea because they need to, you know, they had problems with the NXT show last week. I watched the NXT show last week, and I had problems with it. I was pretty annoyed. I didn't even see the ladder match, to be honest with you. And um, although the NXT, it was a great show. Um, they did definitely have some problems. So they need to test this out. I'll be curious to see what they do as far as live features here um, for the next couple of weeks uh, in terms of seeing how the live streaming is going to work. Because they, they, they have kinks they definitely need to work out. Now, do you think, though, I guess to put it, do you think that uh, having the live show like I said, people who don't have the network will be able to watch on Wednesday the event. But do you think having the having it a day earlier, do you think people will go out of their way to watch the WWE Network for main event? Or do you think it's main event? Who cares? Which I don't know how often you even watch Ion TV or if you even know what channel Ion TV is on your cable. I don't know if I have Ion TV. Um, I have no idea. I've never watched the main event before. Um, so I have no idea. I've never watched Main Event. I, I don't know anything about Ion TV. I know it's spelled I-O-N, but that's about all I know about Ion TV. So, I, mean, I think they show a lot of Murder, She Wrote reruns. Other than that, I know very little about the network. So I think that they did a good job of promoting Daniel Bryan being on the show. So yes, I do think people will, will watch the live stream tonight. I don't know how many people, and I think that's going to be the issue. 
right? So they're going to have people watch the live stream. Say it's, I don't know, whatever. I don't know. 200,000 people watch this live stream. WrestleMania, it might be like, it might be a million people watching this live stream. They may be double, triple, quadrupling their audience. So is this main event show really going to be a gauge on how the live stream is going to work a couple of weeks from now when there's going to be so much more audience? That's an issue they're going to have to think. They're going to have to think about moving forward. That is very true. Um, Now, another positive, which I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, from Roy was... I think they're really starting to get this Cesaro-Jack Swagger feud going where maybe it's just because we all love Swagger so much. Um, not Swagger, I'm sorry. We all love Cesaro so much that uh, of the two, I'd rather see Cesaro uh, any day of the week. I but I think that they're slowly making Cesaro a little bit more vocal point. And even though I have no interest right now in Big E, and I would have liked our, my idea at the pay-per-view, which I got wrong, of course, because, you know, it just happens nowadays. You can't go perfect every month on pay-per-view predictions. <laughs> but uh, I would have had Big E, you know, lost the title to Jack Swagger, and the two of them, you know, causing the jealousy thing, which led to a match at Mania, which looks like it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. But I really enjoyed their interaction this week, and Zeb, you know, making them, them hug and doing the We the People, which I thought was brilliant. I love Zeb Coulter. I think he's the best, one of the best things on the show every week. Me too. But, I mean, what, what do you think? Do you have, I know it's a mid-card feud, but Swagger and Cesaro, do you like where this is going? And do you, do you think this is going to be a three-way with Big, Big E for the, for the title? Or do you think that it it's won't be for title and it's just going to be, the, the, this is just another team breaking up at Mania? Yeah, I think there's a better chance that Big E is not on the card, really, or the pre-show. Um, I hope they don't put Cesaro and Swagger in the pre-show. I don't think they will because they've really been kind of building this storyline for a while now. Um, I think they can have a really nice, fun match at Mania. I think Coulter being in the middle, I think, really, really helps the feud. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that Cesaro's already getting a lot of positive fan reaction already gives them a natural way on where to go with the storyline. And I don't know, I think they could make it a really fun storyline and, you know, obviously with culture involved, um, it should be it should be a pretty good pretty good run. And uh, I guess the last positive from Raw this week, maybe it's because I'm a fan, but it was nice to see that for the first time in a long time, we actually had a guest host that was barely used and with the way he was used, the fans didn't crap crap on it. Where you actually had a a Jesse chant for his character from Breaking Bad, uh, Aaron Paul coming out with Ziggler, who I guess earlier in the night they realized Ziggler would be cheered. I mean, it was a nothing segment. He was there for you know three minutes or whatever. Nice, quick. It was over. But I think that Aaron Paul is the way that you use a guest host, and I was actually happy to see that it went off you know pretty smoothly. Yeah, I think they did a great job. They didn't overexpose him. They didn't do too much. They had a couple of uh, trailers for his movie, which is to perfectly make sense. He seemed like he was into it. Like, I felt like Aaron Paul may have been a wrestling fan back in the day and maybe got out of it but was excited to be there. 
Because he legitim legitimately seemed into it, which is nice. Because sometimes you see these guest hosts come out there, you know they're just there for a paycheck. Um, but it was nice to see them come out and kind of be into it. I thought they did a good job with it. Now, I do have one more positive. Uh-oh. Hashtag skinny jeans. Uh-huh. Batista's promo was awesome. I, and I, I, I don't know if you heard him on SmackDown. Al, he had an awesome promo on SmackDown as well. We ripped Batista. We ripped the return. We didn't think they did a great job. But they're listening to the fans. I mean, I don't think they would have done this with Batista if the crowd didn't crap all over. Mm -hmm. And the promos have been, have been much better. I mean, Corey, he sounds so much more natural as a heel than he did as a face. It's unbelievable how much better he sounds as a bad guy. He sounds like he's more comfortable, like he's more natural. It's, it's unbelievable. And I'm so glad that he's turned. Um, it's, I think, a much earlier than they thought he would turn. But I really like that he's turned. My only question is, he's a full-fledged heel now. How do you do a full-fledged heel against a full-fledged heel for the title at Mania? Who are the fans going to root for? They may, You know what? They may end up rooting for Batista because they like that he's a heel now. Um, you know what? I think that you almost have to go and do the thing that we suggest that uh, I suggested last week, which uh, Dan Lebransky from Law, you know, the Law suggested with the idea of you have Triple H versus Daniel Bryan at the beginning of the show. Daniel Bryan wins and gets into the title match because, like you said, heel versus heel at Mania for two heels that don't really seem to have a lot of momentum right now. I just don't know how you remedy that. But, you know, like I was saying before, it's always good to see that, you know, you have a guy playing a superhero who doesn't like, doesn't like people who like, you know, comic books and superhero movies. But, you know, that's, that's for another time, another place. Oh, and I, I do have one more positive. I thought the crowd was awesome last night. I thought there were some lulls there because they were just chanting the whole time. But I thought other than a few spots with Wyatt where they were chanting CM Punk, and I love that. But the Usos winning, they were really into the Usos. Uh, the Shield and Wyatt match, for the most part, they were totally into that match. And I think that's also why the WWE planned it out this way. I thought the fans were good. I thought they did a good job. I didn't think they disrespected the guys who were performing, which I felt in Green Bay they did that a little bit last week. And so I really liked what the crowd did. They, I mean, Brian, Cena, they kept acknowledging the crowd as far as hijacking Raw and, and mentioning that, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, the idea of hijacking a show and that they acknowledge that this actually takes place. So I thought the crowd did a good job and it was a, a good show to watch. And, you know, Chicago's crowd is good. Uh, Jim Ross said um, yesterday that he thought that the crowd was not going to hijack the show and that they would do a good job, and, and they did. There's some of the best wrestling fans in the country for a reason. All right, but let's let's get to this for one second before we move on. Yeah, I I'm gonna agree with you the fact that it's great to see the crowds, you know, being lively and having a voice, and you don't have you know basically you know you could hear a pin drop in the arena. But I think the WWE with hashtagging all this crap, where hashtag hostile takeover <laughs> and hashtag you know yes movement yes movement and all this stuff. 
they're they're basically as much as you want to say they don't like the idea that people try to take over the show. When you're basically telling people, you know, hashtag this, hashtag that, I don't feel bad for the WWE if the fans go crazy. You're suggesting them to go crazy. So I don't I don't feel bad for the WWE. You know why? Because all the people who are in the audience paid to be there. So they're laughing all the way to the bank. They collected all these fans' money. You know, it was funny what um, Stephanie was saying, how she was saying to Daniel Bryan yesterday in a pro, uh, promo, Stephanie McMahon was saying to Daniel Bryan, you know, we made you. This is our ring. Uh, these, these are our fans. Like, everyone is here because of us. And, you know, it was interesting how there was quite a bit of truth in what she was saying last night with that promo, and Brian kind of shrugged shrugged it off, and the fans kind of went crazy, whatever. But there was a lot of truth to that. You know, the Yes Movement hashtag, you know, making these Yes t-shirts, and how they're kind of profiting off of the fans, um, you know, really fervor, but how they also are listening to them, you know, like I said, with Batista. Now, before we take our break, I just want to do my one negative from uh, Raw. There was about, I know it was only about 25 minutes worth of time, but it felt like the Wait, second... It's a three-hour show. And, and also, remember, okay, uh, we're going to, for the people who listen, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to let you in on something, okay? I watch the show live every week, and I live-tweet it. I watched work it live this week. Hold on. Worked Shoe Pod. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me. Had fun last night on Twitter. People were really active. It was good. Corey generally DVRs the show, right? He doesn't always watch it live. Sometimes the it's show called is a job. It's fine. Sometimes it is a brutal show to watch live. It really is. The live tweeting thing. It's a bit of a grind. I've because because before this show, I DVR'd basically every show. I went past the diva stuff. I went past the horrible Santino Morella segments. I'm watching Santino Morella every week. Every week I watch Santino Morella. Okay? So I go through this every week. So, yes, you're pointing out the negative, but it's a three-hour show. And a lot, every week that I've watched, these three-hour shows, are they're hard to watch. So, I mean, there's a lot of fantastic stuff in the three hours, but you just can't make a good three-hour show. It's It's... Virtually impossible. So, yes, you're, 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 you're saying that they had a bad 30 minutes. Two weeks ago, they had a bad hour. And I watched every one of those one of those minutes, and I tweeted everything that happened. Just because you don't love Kevin Hart movies does not mean that it's a bad hour of television. Um, but let me just get this off my chest for, for two seconds. Here, simple. You had a really good, like I said, for the most part, I thought Bro was really good. But when you have... A mixed tag match, a 14 and a half minute, which wasn't bad, but just wasn't what I, for the fourth thousand time, seeing Sheamus versus Christian, and then you have a Divas match, I felt my life escaping my body. I, I know that I had to continue watching, but there was part of me, because I, have the, I, I don't have to live tweet the show like you do, the, thank God it's you, not me. <laughs> but I, there was, until I heard the music for uh, Daniel Bryant come out after uh, those three, those, actually I think it was four segments with time, four segments of hell, I literally was starting to fall asleep on my couch out of pure boredom. 
So, I mean, if you want to have fluff in between things, that's fine. But when you have 25 to 30 minutes straight of this is why, you know, if you were watching Hulu Plus, their 90-minute version, none of this is going to make air, most likely, just a little bit too much. But overall, it was a really solid show. Once again, the build towards Mania, they're continuing to go and put good product out there. And I'm interested to see what they do next week. Just And that's and as a wrestling fan, I'm always happy to say I want to see what happens next week. I want to see what happens, you know, in a couple of minutes on main event, which, like I said, I haven't watched in When is in main months. event? Is that 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock. Okay. So we'll be able to watch in the last, like, four or five minutes the way that, you know, we're, we're going right now. But, um... It's the beauty of that it's video on demand. But uh, we're going to take our second break. We'll be back with the news of the week, this week in history. And uh, depending on how much time we have, uh, maybe a little TNA uh, lockdown talk for a couple of moments. And, you know, uh, maybe a couple of more things. But this is Corey Richmond, joined by Jason Brooks, just like every week. And we'll be back with uh, the news of the week. Why would you get in this ring when you know I'm going to tear your throat out? Because, Kurt, great question, by the way. You have a torn ACL and you have a torn MCL, and unless there's an Olympic sport for gimping, I mean, I feel like I'd be pretty mobile to avoid you if I needed to, which I don't. Makes sense. Now, if you're going to confirm something, don't you think you should go with the source? Why, the internet's always right. Well, at least 50% of the time. 50%, huh? Did you know the actual source is right 100% of the time? Welcome back to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined as always by Jason Brooks. And uh, like always, at this point of the show, we do a little uh, This Week in History, followed by the news. And... Uh, for a guy who will always be my favorite champion. Jason, let us know a little uh, This Week in History. Corey, that sounded very inappropriate, uh, depending on what persuasion you are. Uh, but I digress. Uh, March 4th, 2008. Now, not much for This Week in History, but I guess one of the more significant things, March 4th, 2008, the WWE Cruiserweight title is officially retired having not appeared on WWE programming for close to six months. Now, the, the last guy to hold that title, which showed you how much it meant at the end, was uh, Hornswoggle, which, you know, I guess when you're doing that, you deserve to get rid of the title. But you had some great wrestlers hold that title. You had the Rey Mysterio Juniors of the world. You had Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, you know, uh, Dean, uh, Six who uh, we all know is Sean Wallman. So there was a history of great guys holding that title, starting out with, you know, Brian Pillman and, you know, Jushin Thunder Li- Jush- Liger. Uh, so, I mean, there were some great guys who held that title. It's a shame to see what happened. And I guess you could say this, right now, the Cruiserweight title is the X Division title in TNA. I don't think the Cruiserweight, I don't think the X Division title was ever as bad as the Cruiserweight title. They really crapped on that belt toward the end. Um, so the final numbers for uh, Raw are out. Um, Raw averaged 4.576 million viewers. 
That's down from 4.661 million viewers last week. So really only 100,000 um, you know, people um, did not watch this week that watched last week. So overall, you know, pretty good rating for the show this week. Uh, let's see, what else in the news here? Uh, so now Paul Bearer, as we know, Hall of Famer, um, was elected to the Hall of Fame. He passed away a few years ago. Was elected to the uh, 2014 class uh, for the WWE Hall of Fame uh, last night. Um, you know, I, I thought that they did a nice job, you know, talking about him and that kind of little tribute to him. And you know what? I really, you, you forget how important he was. He went and helped put over guys like Mankind, Vader. He was a key element on why Kane was as big as he was and why Kane is most likely still has a job at this point now because of how good Paul Bearer made him with, you know, talking. And, and of course, the guy that, you know, it's amazing the last guy you mentioned, but is the guy that you will always remember being with Paul Bearer is The Undertaker. And I honestly, if you watch some of those early promos of The Undertaker, the man, just like, you know, some of these other guys now, couldn't talk to save his life. But one of the things besides, you know, the, the gimmick, which made The Undertaker so great, was Paul Bearer and his promos. The eeriness and the passion that he gave. He's a guy who will be sorely missed even a year later. And it's a great thing that they're going to honor him and his family this year at WrestleMania. And it'll be very interesting to see who puts him in. Does The Undertaker finally go and appear at a WrestleMania and puts him in? Or is it a guy like, you know, a Foley or a, you know, a Kane who goes and puts him in? Or maybe somebody from back in the day when he was Percy Pringle. The WWE issued a statement to announce issues with the WWE Network on Xbox 360 have been addressed. The WWE Network login issue for Xbox 360 users has been resolved, and we apologize for any inconvenience. Me not being an Xbox user, I didn't have any issues with the Xbox because I don't have one. So hopefully they did resolve those issues. Yeah, you know what? It's glad to see that they're keeping on top of this. And once again, like I, as of right now, the network's going to have main event on, which is just starting. I think this is only a positive to try to go and... Uh, you know, get the Xbox users right away to see if their system will work on a live program. So no bad things there. You know, just maybe uh, if they can, maybe, you know, this is the last hurdle. And once WrestleMania comes along, we're going to have no problems with this network. So yeah, I'll knock say on wood. The one, the one thing I have to say positive about the network, and I think the, for the most part, I think the network's been good, mm-hmm. been really good. But I think the one thing about the real, real big positive about the network is they really want to make it good. So they really seem like they're working hard to address any issues that possibly could be there um, in order to assure that there's no, you know, no issues and, and people are going to buy the product. So, you know, we'll see. All right, so now on to TNA news, which I know everyone's very excited to hear. What's TNA? TNA? <laughs> Total nonstop action. Isn't that uh-huh. what it's still called? I believe so. Uh, TNA taped one night only outbreak pay-per-view in Tokyo, Japan, featuring two title changes that have been published on a TNA Impact website. The first title change is the Bromans defeated the Wolves um, to capture the TNA Tag Team Championship. Now, the Wolves just won last week. 
Now the bromance won this week. Um, and Sonata defeated Austin Aries to win the TNA X Division Championship. The plan is for a second pay-per-view taping on July 6th. So it sounds like this is kind of a joint venture um, with Japan and with TNA. Yeah, this is the uh, Wrestle One, which is owned by the great Muda, who will be actually at uh, the lockdown pay-per-view. But she'll be tagging with uh, Sonata and uh, Tiger Uno, who we saw a uh, a promo for this past week on Impact. They'll be facing Bad Influence and uh, Chris Sabin. So at least these guys will be on the pay-per-view. I find it very interesting that they went and took the titles off of the Bromance in the first place. It kind of makes you maybe think now that they took the title off so that they'd be able to have uh, the Wolves in this uh on this tour when they did the show in Japan. Kind of makes me think that, you know what, there's such a big following for these ex-ROH guys that have them in the match and then have the bromance when the title's back, then you move on from there. And I want to give a lot of credit to TNA this past week on the way that they filmed the uh, three-way tag team match between Bad Influence, The Wolves, and The Bromance, where they cut out all the initial stuff in the beginning where you would have saw The Bromance with the titles. They didn't make any uh, references, you know, after the match or anything. So I, And they did the skit with uh, Bobby Roode with The Bromance in the back where, you know, they wanted to be in this match in order to go and be on Bobby Roode's team. So I think they really did a good job with a bad situation, as we said last week. And they made it very fluid. So, I mean, I'm going to give them credit for that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Now, I, don't, I have no idea why you go and take the title off Austin Aries. You know, for Sonata, who, like I said, Sonata is a good worker. He actually faced AJ Styles when uh, Styles was still technically with the company and doing the uh, Friends of AJ Styles where he was going, you know, around the country and, and around the world to uh, have matches. And that's who AJ had faced in that match. So... I guess to just a built intrigue for the next pay-per-view. I think if they were, if, I think if it was a one-time deal, obviously they wouldn't do that. But I guess to build intrigue for the Japanese fans for the next pay-per-view. And again, we, the X Division title is kind of like the European title from a few years ago. And, you know, they kind of toss that around like it's no big deal. So I think that's probably where, um, you know, why they did that change. Now, just to be fair, and because we've done this with WWE pay-per-views, I want to ask you this, and I know that neither one of us most likely is going to run, you know, our first thing on a Sunday to go and watch Lockdown, but I want to know, do you think the build over the last six weeks, and I know it helps the fact they've been overseas with these crowds, but do you think that the build that they've done would make either you or the average watcher want to see this lockdown pay-per-view? Or do you not think they've done a good enough job to go and get your money? And try to forget that, you know, in basically three weeks or four weeks, the network will have WrestleMania. Um, it doesn't feel special to me. It feels rushed. You know, they have a new investor. Now a new investor's here. He's kind of half a wrestler, half an investor. Now they're going to wrestle for the control the company. I don't know. I feel like that part's rushed. I like the Magnus Samoa Joe thing. I think they've built Joe as a complete monster. 
and some of that Magnus has to be scared of. Um, I think they've done an okay job building the pay-per-view. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, do I, I want to see it? No, because I, I don't love these creative controls of the company. I think that's, you know, MVP's a wrestler. I don't like where they go with all that. I think it's kind of silly. Um, so do I want to buy the pay-per-view? No. Do I think they've done a decent job in building it? Yes. I just don't love what the storylines have been. Now, like, I'm just going to give a couple things here. Um, like you, I've enjoyed the, uh, the build for Magnus and Joe. I think for the first time in quite a long time, Joe actually is a relevant character and actually feels like the monster that he was of an athlete a couple of years ago with, you know, when Kurt Angle first came in the company and you had the, the epic, you know, matches they had. I think what they've done with Gunner and James Storm has been really good with the way they've made Gunner actually a, a character now. He's just not some random guy with a bunch of tattoos. Um, I really enjoyed what they did this past week with, uh, Kurt Angle and uh, EC3. I agree. I thought that EC, which uh, was actually our bumper for this uh, segment, was uh, a couple of moments from the EC3 uh, Kurt Angle Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which I thought was brilliant. If you told me a couple of months ago that Derek Bateman would be a relevant character on anybody's television in the year 2014, I would have thought you were crazy. And I really thought it was funny with uh, him with the, the, the line with the Internet where, you know, it's on the Internet. You know, uh, you got to believe what they say. You know, they're right at least 50 percent of the time. I thought that was a lot of good, you know, good stuff. But, I mean, honestly, am I supposed to care about, you know, Anderson and Sam Shaw? I, as much as I loved, you know, Emma versus uh, Paige this past week on NXT, and I know that R- Madison Rain and Gail Kim are good workers, I have no interest in that match. I got no interest in this, you know, the great Muda's appearance. I mean, if this was, you know, 15 years ago, I'd be super excited, especially the fact that, you know, in, you know, 1989, 1990, he had some great matches against, you know, Rick Rude, Rick Flair, and Sting. But, I mean, you know, it's 2014. I don't really care about the great Muda. So, I mean, you know, and the Steel Cage, you know, lethal lockdown match. I love the Wolves, but I don't, I, like you said, I think this has been a very rushed Build and I understand that it's March, so it's lockdown. So this is when they have one of their pay per views. But if this was something that was built for a couple of more months. I'd mostly be a lot more interested in it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't. I think the world title match is the one thing, and, and I, I think I mentioned this last week. I love what they do with Magnus. He feels like a champion. He comes out like a champion. He looks like a champion. He talks like a champion. He acts like a champion. I love that part of it. Um, they've did a good, done a good job of hiding Joe's weakness as far as being a talker, and he really hasn't talked much. It's mostly been MVP, and Joe kind of just looks scary. And the crowd has helped Joe because they've put him over so much. So I think that build has been really, really good. Um, the Storm Gunner thing I think is interesting. We'll see where they go with that. Um, but... You know, the investor thing I just could care less about. There's too many things on the show that I really could care less about. And one of those things is the investor storyline, which is the second biggest show or second biggest match or maybe the first biggest match in the show. But let me ask you this. 
Don't we say that a lot with WWE pay-per-views that besides like the top two matches, there's a lot of stuff on the show which we just don't care about? I mean, honestly, with the pa- the Elimination Chamber. The Elimination Chamber and it was the six and the six-man tag. Besides that, there really wasn't much else, at least going into the pay-per-view, we could care less about. You're, you're, but you're right, but there's no way Magnus loses the title. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know going in, there's no way Magnus is going to lose a title. And, okay, so they have the, you know, a match that is going to have some intrigue with Magnus. You don't really feel like he's going to lose, but it's at least interesting. And then an investor storyline that nobody cares about. And then, I mean, the rest of the card's fine, but, you know, it's not going to get me to want to spend money on it. It's, it's fine. You know they're going to have a million rematches on Impact the next week. I think it's it is what it is. Yeah, I can respect that, and you know what, you know, uh, hopefully we don't see Willow on the paper. That's all I'm going to say because that's I mean, pretty awful. terrible. Awful. Willow and Willow he'll and Sam Shaw. Well, he'll be there, but I don't know if he'll be there as Willow. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> awful. Yes, exactly. But um, I think that's pretty much everything for this week, unless there's uh, something else you want to mention. I mean, I'm sure if we talk much longer, I'll think of something to keep you on the line. But um, So you may want to talk fast before I think of something else. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a, a good, fun show. Uh, my turkey meatballs are in the slow cooker right now. I'm getting ready to eat dinner. I'm very excited about it. Um, I haven't had too many angry driving spell uh, uh, spells this week. So I'm, I'm in a good mood. That is always a good sign. Now, uh, before we call it a day, and I mostly should have said this before I had you tell us about your wonderful week, why don't you let our couple of uh, wonderful fans and many who are to come, f- how they can get in contact with us, you know, the Twitter, the Facebook, and all the other wonderful things. All right, so the uh, best way always to get a hold of us is Twitter. Um, at Worked Shoot Pod. Worked Shoot Pod had a lot of fun tweeting last night. We picked up a couple of uh, Twitter followers. It was pretty fun, um, except for that 35 minutes of boredom that you mentioned uh, with Raw. Um, so always on Twitter, I live tweet, you know, a lot of the shows, um, sometimes Impact, Raw basically every week, uh, both of the pay-per-views so far, So and I'll do that for WrestleMania too. Uh also, we're on Facebook, The Work Shoot Podcast. So we have a Facebook page, The Work Shoot Podcast. Um, you can find us uh, online in terms of links to our actual um, shows at workshoot.podomatic.com. Workshoot.podomatic.com. So that's how you can get a hold of us. And like I said, if... I've said this in the past, I know you don't believe in it, but uh, if you guys have any opinions on things that you'd like to change or ideas about the show, you can always get in contact to us also by email at workedshootpodcast at gmail.com. And um, hopefully, you know, when we talk to you guys next week, uh, TNA won't have put on, you know, one of the worst pay-per-views of the year. Uh, we'll still be wondering, you know... Uh, if Punk's coming back, even though I think as of last night, I think we realized he's not. And um, I don't know. I think that it's this is a good time to be a wrestling fan, even though that, you know, the Batistas of the world are in the main event. And um, Skinny Jeans, now that he's a heel, doesn't annoy me as much. And I guess, you know, that's about it. I'm going to go and enjoy the rest of 
WWE main event live on the WWE Network. Woohoo! We'll speak to you guys next week. And as always, this is Corey Richmond joined by Jason Brooks. You guys have a great weekend, great week, great everything. See ya. to see the streak taken away from The Undertaker. And there's only one man on the face of the planet that can do it. I want that streak beaten. I want The Undertaker stripped of the streak. I want the streak conquered. And there's only one man that can conquer that streak. And he's my best friend in the world. He is the conqueror. He is the beast incarnate. Barack Lesnar! Unlike some people, I don't make claims that I can't back up. Last week, The Undertaker attacked me because I believe, yes, I believe in my heart that that man is scared to death of me. There has been many of foe that have tried to conquer the streak and all of them have failed to do so. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and your own little baby boy, CM Punk. Failures. At WrestleMania 30, the streak is going to get conquered by me, Barack Lesnar! Absolutely emphatic statement by Lesnar. Upset at what happened to him last week in the hands of The Undertaker. And guys, he made no bones about it. Lesnar does not like to be upstaged.